Is It Transphobic? will be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic? will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Is It Transphobic podcast. Once again, I am your guest host, Silas Barrett. I use he, him, or they, them pronouns, and I'm here with my wonderful spouse. Uh, Hi, I'm Emily Asher Perrin. I use they, them, she, her, he, him, or zzer pronouns. And today we're going to be talking about music. Specifically, um, what I sort of refer to in my own head is like the Lola slash walk on the wild slide slash dude looks like a lady phenomenon because I think those are the main songs that people think of. Yes. This sort of um, rock and roller slash pop stars singing songs about that time they encountered trans people or people who don't seem to ascribe to gender norms mm-hmm. and it is something that you kind of encounter a lot in in music you do and i thought it would be a perfect episode for this week since i'm doing it with you because you are a little bit of an expert just like a little bit of a music nerd music nerd okay i like that and family of musicians yes. you love uh, glam rock you love pop and you know a lot about the history of how these things were made. Uh, for our listeners, Emily has created a Spotify playlist um, that you can go and listen to all of the songs that we're going to talk about today. Um, you can also, I mean, they're all available on YouTube and things like that. But if you want to check out the Spotify playlist, it is the IITP EP53 song list. And I will also put that in the description of this week's episodes so that you can go and see it and you don't have to try to like pull it off of my voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are going to try to go kind of in, in order as in far as like in chronological order. order. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might bounce around a little bit. Um, so, and I think that that's a perfect starting point because that would bring us to start with Lola by yes. the Kinks, which came out in 1970. Yes. And uh, of course, the thing that's interesting about Lola is that it's it actually has a a different sound compared to most of their other sort of catalog. The stuff that people know them for usually their the, their stuff is a little I, I, it's quirky. I, I guess is is sort of like the 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 nicest way of putting it. The Kinks it is quirky. <laughs> they're re- I mean, I I actually love the Kinks. In I general. love the Kinks. Yes. Um, but they're known for more things. You know, like the Village Green Preservation Society, and like there's a really great song that they wrote at one point that's literally just about the game of cricket. <laughs> you know, so they're it sort of feels like most of the stuff that they write is a little bit more tongue in cheek, a little bit more poking fun at things. It's a little bit more satirical. I feel like most of what I do understand about cricket, I learned from that song. Yes. Well, That's they about give... as far as I got in understanding what cricket was. They give you all the terminology. Yeah. Like, literally all of it. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't understand all the rules, but now I know what the words mean. Yeah. So thanks for that. 
Yeah, so okay. um, they've got, yeah, thanks. so thanks for that, the kinks. Thanks, the kinks. But no, don't actually, we're, we're not thanking you all the way because um, Lola is, so Lola's obviously a really, a really famous song that I mostly, I actually don't think that I knew Lola until the first song that I actually heard was Weird Al Yankovic's parody of it, which was Yoda. And I think I heard that first. That's hilarious. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, but then I, um, Obviously, it's, I think, to most people considered to be a relatively harmless song because it is about an encounter a man has with a trans woman. But most people seem to think of it as, like, a funny song. It's definitely not a song that people listen to all the words to That is also true. They just sort of, and you could sort of miss the point of that if you were just kind of listening to the chorus. You're just like, oh, Lola. Yeah. Okay, Lola. And it's, it's also a really great, you know, it's a great song for people to all sing the chorus Yeah, easy to sing, room. catchy. Yeah. yeah. Um, the thing that's interesting to me, so we're going to kind of, because part of the reason we're going chronologically with this is because there is a definite change in how trans people and specifically more often than not trans women are depicted in rock and roll songs because of the culture shifts that were happening during these eras. So we get uh, an indication of like rock stars basically encountering trans people for the first time due to songs like Lola and walk on the wild side. And there are all, I think that one of the things that's super telling about it is that there are all these different rumors about how songs like these get made. Um, so there's always, there are always like conflicting versions of who wrote it and why they wrote it and how they wrote it. And um, one of the things that's interesting about Lola is the rumor for Lola for a long time is that it was about uh, a date that the, the singer songwriter went on with Candy Darling. And Candy Darling was a very famous trans woman in that era. They, he's since gone back on that. He's like, that's not true. We absolutely did go out to dinner, but I wasn't surprised. I knew she was a trans woman. So why would I write a song about not knowing <laughs> and then being surprised okay. by it? Yeah. Um, instead, it was, according to them, to members of the Kinks, uh, about the fact that at that point in time they were frequenting bars where they were encountering gay people and trans people. And that I believe it was their manager at the time, according to them, was dancing with a trans woman. And they were like, do you know that this is a trans woman? Or, a, I mean, probably at that point in time they were like, you know that's not actually a right, woman. Right, probably. You know, <clears throat> because they were probably being super transphobic about it. But they... They told him that, and basically he was like, yeah, I don't care. I want to go sleep with this person. And that is reportedly, oh, it's one, one version of, okay. of how they believe that, or of how they've told the story of how Lola got written. Um, there are other ones that claim that, you know, there were uh, members of the band um, who who basically did the same thing, went to bars and and, and potentially slept with trans women. But that story is the one that seems to come up more often that seems to be more likely true. Um, and that's, it's particularly interesting because I think, I think that one of the big things about the versions that we get in the 70s is that it's still crappy because it's, 
happening because these people are encountering trans people and basically going, what a weird thing. I'm going to put this in a song because yeah. I'm famous and I can do whatever I want. But there's a huge tonal shift from the 70s to the 80s in these songs, um, which we'll get to shortly. But the original sort of tone of these things was largely, I mean, the Kinks and also Lou Reed have a lot of roots in folk rock. Yes. And the fact that they have those roots in sort of folk music means that a lot of their songs are story songs, which is true of both Lola and Walk on the Wild Side. You basically get songs that are people going, here's a song about something that happened or a person that I know. Mm -hmm. And that makes the song a lot less seemingly cruel from my perspective. Like, even though it's still kind of a, hey, look, I encountered something weird. Let right. me talk it's about it. It's not necessarily trying to put a judgment. Yes. What they say might be bad, but they're not setting out to... Well, to... I mean, explicitly, Lola is actually, I mean, it ends on a note of like, this is okay. <laughs> Does it, though? Well, I, I disagree. Okay, cool. I di I, and I will say... I, this song, because it's popular, it's on the mm -hmm. radio a lot, I don't remember when I first heard it, and I don't remember if I, like, picked up that it was about, like, a trans woman, or if mm -hmm. I noticed after someone told me. Yeah. But I never paid that much attention to the lyrics. Yeah. And if you actually look at the lyrics, they're bad. Like, this is actually a lot worse than I thought. Yeah. Because what you what you run into is is this sort of, like repetition of like well i'm not that manly but this person whoa like in comparison to them I, I, they're they're very manly right and you know there's well i'm not the world's most physical guy but when she squeezed me tight she nearly broke my spine um and uh then at the end it it ends well i'm not the world's most masculine man but i know what i am and i'm glad i'm a man and so is lola Right. And to me, especially there's like that bit where he uh, talks about Lola, like putting him on his, uh, putting him on her knee and like mm -hmm. saying, boy, I'm going to make you a man. And like the, the songs sound so nice. Right. But to me now I feel like I'm getting into that sort of like suggestion of like, you know, they're always trying to trick you and they're always trying to get you. And like mm. when okay. I just, when I read the lyrics without listening to the song, that's what I come away with a little bit more than I realized at first. Yeah. I think when I listen to that song, the takeaway that I tend to get from it is like, this person has no idea what's going on. The mm. singer of the song is super friggin' naive. And that's made super clear by pretty much every lyric in the song. That this person, is, that is this true, person has yeah. no experience. This person has no idea how they feel about gender or sexuality. Mm -hmm. And that I think is part of the reason why it comes off a little bit more innocent to me because this person is just like, I, I don't, I don't know, but it's fine. I don't care. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's still, I mean, I agree. I think that like the lyrics are still, are still incredibly transphobic. They're, they're pretty bad. Yeah. But I do think that there's a, a an undercurrent of naivete that I think takes the edge off a little bit. Yeah, um, I can see that. And it does end with that sort of like slightly less sort of in the middle. He actually sings about trying to get away from her. And then at the end is like, oh. that's right. And it's like, I that think part is not good. Yeah, I think that is it's the song is it, it feels to me like you and you get this a lot with with um, men who identify as straight who mm -hmm. are attracted to trans women. 
Yeah. Who will sort of get into that, like, how can I admit this while also denying it? Yes. And that, to me, is what sort of what I pick up on this song a lot of, like, I'm going to talk about this, and I'm not going to say everything about it was bad, but how can I also, like, make sure you all remember that, like, yeah. I'm not really into quote-unquote men. Yes. And and I, I feel that a lot from this song. Yeah, that's fair completely. Yeah. Um. And so the next one on our list is Walk on the Wild Side by Lou Reed, which came out in 1972. And that song, so that song, there was an interesting kerfuffle, I'm calling it a kerfuffle nicely, that occurred, <laughs> um, that occurred recently, I believe it was a university radio station. And someone played it on a university radio station and a lot of the students wrote in and were like, you shouldn't play this song. This song is incredibly transphobic. Now, this is interesting for a multitude of reasons, the genesis of Walk on the Wild Side is it's actually the, the title of the song is taken from a, a book that is also called, I believe, called The Walk on the Wild Side or A Walk on the Wild Side. Um, but Lou Reed was like challenged essentially by someone to write a song about that book. Um, and instead, as he wrote the song, it ended up turning into a song about people he knew in his life because of course he hang out he hung out with Andy Warhol and people who were artists at the Andy Warhol's infamous factory yeah. and um he so he knew a lot of of trans people and and people who were doing you know who, who were all sorts of different types of artists who were working in that environment all of the characters quote-unquote characters in Walk on the Wild Side are real people and not all of them are trans people um, so Sugar Plum Fairy was a drug dealer, and that was why he, he had the name Sugar Plum, <laughs> Sugar Fairy. Plum Fairy. But of course, it, it's also funny because the rumor that, that Lola was based on a date that the singer had with Candy Darlin is hilarious because... Candy's Candy, in the song. Exactly. She's in... Second... The actual Candy Darling. a verse. Yeah. Is, is actually in the song because Lou Reed knew her. And... I think it's super interesting because, of course, people were like, this song is incredibly transphobic, but these so the song, the verses in this song are based on real people and real encounters that Lou Reed had with them. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, like, the problem, I think, with Walk on the Wild Side is the fact that Lou Reed, as a cisgender white man, is using his relative privilege as a rock star to tell stories of people yeah. who we don't really know I mean, I, or at least I have not heard tell of how they feel about the fact that he did that. And also they were, you know, but they, but they were also artists who were living their own truths and, and doing their own experimentation and their own performances completely independent of him. So that song to me, I think is actually, I mean, more so than Lola, that really is just, it's a story song. Right. And I, I, I mean, I love this song, like just from like a sound point of view. Um, yes. And uh, let's talk about the first verse for a minute. Yeah. Because they have that line, you know, Holly came from Miami FLA, hitchhiked her way across the USA, plucked her eyebrows on the way, shaved her legs, and then he was a she. Mm -hmm. She said, hey, babe. And so, like, I think that he was a she can get into a little weird thing. But what yes. I like about it is the fact that, except for in that moment of trying to make the point of the transformation, it does use the correct pronouns yes you know they, he doesn't call holly he until that point in the you know like so you holly is a she 
in in the verse the whole time. Yeah, which I really liked, and like. You, of course you can run into this issue as we do of this idea of saying that like trans people become a different gender and they're yes. like, no, like we're always the gender that we are, but it does feel that way. Or at least in my experience, my experience of discovering myself as trans and I have used language like that before, yes. sort of like I'm turning into a guy, you know, right. just as like talking about how it feels like the idea of experiencing gender euphoria or at least like a, a, an aspect of gender that feels correct yeah. can feel like becoming in a way kind of like in the same way of just sort of you grow and you change and you, you feel like, Oh, I've become an adult or I've been like, well, it's a little bit more woolly than that. Yeah. But I always kind of responded to that idea a little bit. Yeah. And it did feel fairly respectful yeah. in its portrayal. And that actual verse is based on a, a very specific story that, that she told. Mm. The actual, like, plucking her eyebrows and shaving her legs and that being... Right, and the idea of leaving behind your old identity. Exactly. where Especially then, what's still now, like, people who knew you sort of in the gender you were assigned who are never going to accept it and you get to reinvent yourself and go somewhere else where no one's known you as anything but Holly and a lady. Yes, Absolutely. And so, like, that always draws me into the song every time. Yeah. And, of course, I think, yeah, I, I think that it makes it, it makes a difference. And then, there, I mean, there are other things about the song that, you know, we can certainly call attention to now that don't really fly. Like, you know, the, the sort of interlude of And the Colored Girls Go, yep. which, of course, is not a term that white people should be using. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there are, there are other aspects of the song that are incredibly dated. But at the time when it came out, I actually think that, that Lou Reed was... I, there's an there's another side to this, of course, which is that um, shortly after his death, a piece was published that talked about the fact that Lou Reed could be incredibly misogynist. <laughs> so hey. there there's another aspect to that mm -hmm. as well. Sort of like, is it nice that we continually have men who aren't really good with women at all telling stories about women? <laughs> but I think that on the whole. This song certainly holds up better than Lola. And even, and as a sort of a time capsule is a lot easier to forgive in its, its issues. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I should I, hang a lantern too. Of course, most of these songs are about trans women. Yes. You know, and, and of course the two of us are both AFAB, assigned female at birth. So our, yeah. our perspectives on this will, will, you know, just, just, to say it out loud and remember there's, there's not actually any trans women here on the podcast today. Yes. So that's something to keep in mind when we're critiquing it. But now we get to move on to your favorite artist ever. Ever. David Bowie. Oh, my Bowie. And I miss you. we're going to talk about Rebel Rebel. Yes. Which came out in 1974. So, of course, Bowie is super interesting for so many reasons. But, of course, he's known as rock and roll's you know, resident chameleon for so many years. And when Bowie started out his career, he came out as bisexual. And basically when he got older, he rescinded it. Um, and to this day, like I, we're never really sure. Like I always wonder, I'm like, well, maybe, maybe the point is that he was bi, maybe he got older and was like, I just don't want to be labeled that way anymore it doesn't feel authentic to me yeah. maybe but my joke is that i always say may i think he just got tired of people asking him if he'd slept with Mick Jagger because that was a thing <laughs> that 
that he got asked all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's the fun thing about being bisexual is people have even more assumptions about yes what you do in bed than they do about if if you're just you know quote unquote gay or whatever. Yes. Like, and David Bowie, of course, in early on in his career, around 1971-72, when he came out with the Hunky Dory album, uh, his look, because of course Bowie changed his look with nearly every album he did, and he basically put on a persona. So before he invented Ziggy Stardust and did his glam rock thing, he was doing more of a folk rock thing, similar to, yes. you know, Lou Reed, similar if to... you have never heard Bowie's early stuff... Oh God, it's so recommend like, track yes. that down because there's so much really interesting stuff there and really good stuff you know he hasn't sort of found his identity as an yes. artist yet but really good music and very interesting explorations and I recommend that yeah and definitely sort of the very early 70s like he's he's really he's he's there he just hasn't created a mythology around it yet quite the same way that he did with Ziggy yes. Stardust and Aladdin saying yes and of course he gets more into like a little bit away from like as much acoustic and more into yes. know, the real rock. So and to speak. his look on the Hunky Dory album, if you've ever seen the the album cover, the liner notes, um, it's him in this gorgeous long frock dress with very long wavy hair. And he talked frequently in interviews about how when he sort of first came over to America it was during that point in his artistic career when he was wearing the dresses and he had the long hair and he was doing this and he talked about the fact that in certain states when he stepped out of the car people people he got close to being attacked frequently in sort of this in a look that most people i'm sure at that point in time were like that person's trying to be a woman and that's not okay if they even had that much understanding exactly. of it. Exactly. If they, you know, they might have just been like, that's a man and a dress, and I have no context for either of those things, yes. I'm sure, for a lot of people. So, um, Bowie, you know, he messed around with sexuality, he messed around with gender, he did whatever he wanted all the time, um, and he, the song Rebel Rebel, I don't know if people, do you think people can hear the ice cream truck in the background right now? If you can hear the ice cream truck in the background, we're sorry. We're going to keep going. Yes. It's not a transphobic ice cream truck, so it's okay. Yes. So um, Bowie, eventually, he did Ziggy Stardust. He did Aladdin Sane. And then he did an album called Diamond Dogs. Diamond Dogs was originally supposed to be, the original project that Bowie was working on was actually a musical version of 1984, George Orwell's 1984. <laughs> um and he couldn't oh, get yeah he couldn't get the rights to it so he ended up just doing what was essentially a uh, a concept album with songs that he wanted to use that he sort of cannibalized and changed around and that became the diamond dogs album and rebel rebel is a track on that album and of course the thing that's fun about this is you know it's technically he's describing this future where all these you know they're rats the size of cats and all these terrible things have happened in the future. And, uh, but the song rebel rebel is this song that comes. If you've ever listened to the whole album, I highly recommend doing this because rebel rebel on its own is such a great song, but rebel rebel as it exists on that album is gorgeous. It, you get these sort of creepy songs that are introducing you to the world and they sort of chug along in this relentless, you know, sound in this tenor, and then all of a sudden you get this sort of scraping guitar 
and it halts suddenly and then you get the guitar riff from Rebel Rebel and he starts it immediately. And uh, I remember the first time I heard it on the album, it was just like shock and awe. Mm. I was so amazed. And of course, the opening of Rebel Rebel is the lyrics. You've got your mother in a whirl. She's not sure if you're a boy or a girl. Hey, babe, your hair's all right. Hey, babe, let's stay out tonight. And I can't really think of a better way of acknowledging various gender identities. Mm. Well, it's interesting to me, too, because, I mean, you introduced me to David Bowie and the myriad of works when we were in college, so, you know, 2004, 2005. And at that time, you know, not having been exposed to any idea of sort of, like, gender stuff, um, I definitely took that as just um, more about, like, gender norms as are, you know, sort of played with by gay people, queer people, um, as well. And, like, seeing it in sort of a context of, like, actually acknowledging, um, you know, GNC folks, you mm -hmm. know, gender nonconforming and or, you know, binary trans folks, um, is, is interesting. Because it hadn't really occurred to me until recently to sort of view it in that light. Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the, the song's strongest points is that he very, very explicitly refuses to label it, which I actually think makes the song better. Because then that song is allowed to apply to anybody. It can be anybody's anthem. Yes. And I think that's actually one of the reasons why it it's such a... I mean, it survives so strongly to this day when people, you know, people... There are eras of Bowie that are, are incredibly popular. He had a, an incredibly prolific career. He did so much. But, you know, if you if you find a t-shirt with him on it, it'll usually have, you know, there's so many that say Rebel Rebel underneath them. Mm -hmm. uh, that song has been appropriated. You'll see it under, you know, pictures of Princess Leia with the Aladdin saying lightning bolt on her forehead. Which I love. Yeah. So, like, I think that that song always strikes a chord with people. And I think it... It helps because it's it's certainly about youth. It's about experimentation. But the big thing about it is the fact that the singer of the song is like, "You look amazing, and I love you." Yeah, there's there's a bit in the end. Um, they put you down. They say I'm wrong. You tacky thing. You put them on. I always love that bit of that yes. sort of you know, very queer anthem. Yes. You know, all of the people around you are are putting you down, but we're gonna get free and we're gonna go do this. Yeah. So I think in that particular regard, it's one of the the better examples overall of a song that can be, of, of an older song that is is incredibly sort of trans and sexuality positive. Yeah, well, it definitely has that sort of, as you say, that sort of encompassing, like, this is for anyone. Yeah. And even, you know, young straight kids getting involved in, in Absolutely. you know, the rock and roll scene of the time and stuff. Like, it's it's welcoming for... Yeah, if you're experimenting, kind if of you're questioning... Anybody who feels like they don't fit in. And, and to have that, that can be welcoming to people who are trans or not, you know, and also welcoming to people who maybe aren't. Yes. You know, people who, who, who might feel like outcasts for different reasons. Like that's kind of rare to find where it could be sort of explicitly inviting for trans people. And... Yes. Um, and I think that, that that is a lot to do with, I mean, that's a hallmark of David Bowie's career. He was, he was incredibly concise about how songs should be presented, how songs could affect people. I mean, you'll see in sort of other parts of his career 
when he would do covers of other musicians, he would often know exactly how to pull out a hook or change something and make it different enough that his version ends up becoming the only version you ever hear. Yeah. You know, because he, he was really, really careful about how he reworked things and, and how he wanted them to appeal to people. And I think it's interesting because, of course, earlier on in his career, some of that stuff requires a little bit more context. One of the things we talked about potentially talking about Lady Stardust, which is mm. a track on the Ziggy Stardust album. And I always wonder about that because I, uh, the, that song, because I think that if you don't know the context of that song, it might confuse you. The song Lady Stardust is a song that Bowie is singing about a person with he pronouns, but he's framing this person as Lady Stardust to his Ziggy Stardust. And also talking about how this this person who has he pronouns is just so alien and confusing to the audience that he is performing for. And of course, that's particularly important in sort of its historical context when you know that the person he wrote the song about is the lead singer of T-Rex, Mark Bolin. So if you didn't know that, you might be like, what is he saying here? Is this about a trans person that he's misgendering? What is happening? What's going on? But in fact, it was about a a cisgender man who just was so incredibly lovely <laughs> that he wanted to frame Mark Bolin in that light. It's lovely. So let's move on to the 80s. Oh boy. Nobody wants to, but we have to. Time marches forward and we have to go to the 80s. The first song we want to talk about is a song that's a little bit less well-known than the ones we've been talking about so far. It's called Androgynous. It's by The Replacements, who I had never heard of before I was doing research for this. So, uh, But it came out in uh, 1984. Mm -hmm. It has since been covered by both The Crash Test Dummies and Joan Jett. And other people. There are other people. And other people. Those are the two that I looked at. And it is... I, it, I included it in here, I think, mostly because it has that same sort of folk songy yes. type of just, this is just telling this story. Um, it opens, here comes Dick, he's wearing a skirt. Here comes Jane, you know she's sporting a chain. Same hair revolution, same build evolution. Tomorrow, who's gonna fuss? And they love each other so androgynous. Um, the lyrics are not, like, impressive um, it's, a, it's a cute song it, it's cute yeah um the consensus generally tends to be that this is kind of a nice hopeful like hopefully in the future we'll all calm down about gender roles and yeah and and be nicer to each other so there's that it's interesting too i, I mean it's funny to me because yes this is supposed to be a song about love about androgyny about these things but the sort of framework of this guy's wearing a skirt, this girl's wearing a chain, they're very specific signifiers for, like, punk kids. Yes. Which, of course, is is slightly different when you're talking about, like, how gender worked in the punk movement and, and yeah. how, you know, kids played with gender as young punks. Yeah, there's definitely nothing in this song, um, and that includes... Uh, we did look at the music videos uh, yeah. for both the, the replacements as well as... Crash Test Dummies cover and Joan Jett's cover, and there's nothing really like about it that suggests they're actually talking about trans people. Yeah, or gender nonconforming. Or even people. really 
queer people. I think that's part of what makes it weird. <laughs> it's weird. It feels very much just like, you know, and, and there's certainly room to talk about sort of, you know, people who I might identify as closer to straight, you know, more or less cis, who still want to explore gender presentation in new ways. Yes. Um, and I think that's actually where this song lands yeah. more than a, as a trans anthem. But when I looked, when I was looking about songs about trans people, it came up a lot. So yeah. we've included it here. Um, I mean, I think it makes sense that if you, you didn't find a lot of things that were more positive, that song still might have been some sort yeah, of Yeah, no, if you were like a young person in 1984, you might be like, wow, this is as good as I'm going to get. Yeah. Because in 1987, you get... Dude looks like a lady. So, which, hmm. yeah, I mean, and 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 I, you know, from conversations with my trans femme friends and things that I've read, dude is a particularly bad word that has been used very pejoratively towards trans women. Like, to almost like dude looks like a lady is like almost worse than you know saying he looks like a lady. Well, or... I mean, here's my question is, did it come from there? Exactly. And I, that I don't did. know. It, it, it might be a, a sort of concurrent evolution as well, because when the term dude became sort of a thing, like more in the nineties, yeah, it became a very aggressive term. I mean, my sisters and I called each other dude. We live in Massachusetts. It was dumb. We all called each other dude for a long time. Oh, yeah. It became a thing. Well, that's also partly, I mean, we grew up in the era when, like, California surfer lingo yeah, was that's very, really, very That's really, I think, what made it. But it is a, a very aggressive. So it may also just sort of be, like, the time period because the word be was popular. For sure. People were leveling it, you know, in both positive and negative ways. But it, it's certainly possible that this song contributed to, to that. Yeah. Again. So... Here's the problem with Dude Looks Like a Lady. Dude Looks Like... I mean, there are many. But, yeah. <laughs> but Here's a large problem with it. So, um, just like Lola, there are a lot of differing accounts of where this song came from. It is reportedly one of Steven Tyler's least favorite Aerosmith songs to perform. Though I have not heard tell of why. Um, maybe it's because he recognizes that it's kind of He's shitty. Like, oh, I shouldn't have written that, but now everybody <laughs> loves it. Yeah. Know? But, um. Well, it has that hook. That wah, wah. Yeah. And I mean, everybody likes that for some reason. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's 90% of all songs. I always talk about it. It's never, it's never the one that you want to be the number yes. one hit single. It's always the you one. Like when you go to a concert and they immediately play their most favorite song right off the bat. The They're popular like, one. Here. Yeah. This is the song that everybody came to hear. We don't want to play it. Here you go. Now we're going to do like the rest of our show. Yes. This is it's super common. So that's a thing. I mean, I remember I, that's true of, uh, of Pinball Wizard. If anybody likes The Who, uh, yes. Pinball Wizard is one of The Who's most popular songs. I and don't it know is, why. It is uh, a throwaway track that Pete Townsend has said over and over again. I just, I just tossed it off one day because we needed this particular part in the concept album and it's the only one anyone wants to hear. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so there's that. It's super common but the the thing about dude looks like a lady is apparently possibly the original version of this song the original lyric was going to be cruising for a lady which is a totally different that is a different song right so there is an alternate universe in which there is a better version of this song that's i mean and when i say better i mean potentially just a song about guys casually harassing women <laughs> So, like, 
half of rock. Yeah. You know, how young do my groupies have to be before I can't sleep with them anymore? Right. I mean, that's, that's a, a large portion of rock. Yes. So, apparently, there are two other, there are two main line conflicting stories about how this thing got made. One version is that, is that Aerosmith was hanging around with Motley Crue and Vince Neil, their, their front man, was hanging out with Steven Tyler and Steven Tyler looked at Vince Neil and was like, dude looks like a lady. And that's where the genesis came from. According to Vince Neil, on the other hand. Oh, here it comes. Yeah, so. <laughs> Spilling he, the tea. Yeah, so he claims that they were hanging out at a, the way it is described, they were hanging out at a gay bar where all the men were dressed as women. All the servers were dressed as women. Okay, that's a, that's a thing. And Steven Tyler looked, you know, they were looking at the people there and he was like, oh my God, that dude looks like a lady. Like, is it sort of a, this person is achieving the, the goal yeah. in the costume the most? Or, or just or like whatever. he was so shocked and surprised. It's really unclear. But the Ugh. point is that's supposed to be the genesis of the song is that they were hanging around. They were immersing themselves in queer culture like straight guys do. And they came away with... They had a lot of opinions about it and they wrote a song. Exactly. Yay. Uh, so... <sighs> this song is so bad. It's really bad. <laughs> It's a really upsetting it's song. It's worse than Lola. And I also I think that it's a, it's another situation where I think that a lot of people don't know all of the lyrics. I don't just, think anybody knows yeah, the lyrics. They just listen to the hook and it's funny to them. The and, chorus is literally the same line repeated four times. Yep. And I don't remember what year, but there was definitely a spirit week in which one of our teachers did like a choreographed dance. One of our male teachers did a choreographed dance to this song. Like well, that, in a dress and a wig. And like, that had to have been ugh. because of Mrs. Doubtfire. Probably. It had to have been. I don't know. So, uh, if if you didn't know, Dude Looks Like a Lady is featured very prominently in Mrs. Doubtfire, a movie in which, <laughs> I mean, it's been covered on this podcast. Yes, we don't need to get into it, but um, but there is a rumor, I believe, I don't know whether it was the screenwriter or the director, who who said that if Dude Looks Like a Lady hadn't existed, Mrs. Doubtfire as a film would not exist. So I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, because. Bad film, bad concept, but also Robin Williams. Who, I mean, although to be fair, Robin Williams does He's have, done many other things. He has We'd many be okay if, if we didn't have, have that. Yeah. And then people wouldn't reference it in other media all the time. All the time. And then it would be better. Okay, so I, I, I no longer conflicted. We didn't need... We could live in the alternate reality, which... Mrs. Do Doubtfire. Do Look Like a Lady was never made, made. and Miss Doubtfire was never made. Yeah. But... Yeah. I, I could talk about some of these lyrics but this is a long podcast so i'm not going to it's bad it's it's i think i won't read any of the lyrics but this song as opposed to lola one the one thing that it does specifically that really gets to me is it makes a lot of puns that are clearly meant to address genitalia and it clearly is is very focused on this like there's like there's a line that's like "Ooh, let me take a peek like it's very much like Focused on the sort of like, oh no, what's under the, oh, Yeah, it's you very know. ogling. Yeah, which at least like, Lola is a little more just focused on like, oh, she was strong and maybe a little manly, which isn't a nice thing to say. And but... also I don't get the impression that the, the singer in Dude Looks Like a Lady likes. No, no, it's definitely a poking fun. Exactly, like, which I think we're is We're here to be it. like, yeah, like this is ridiculous. 
Speaking of ridiculous. Oh boy. We're going to talk now about Funky Cold Medina by Tone Lock, which came out in 1989, which I probably heard at some point, but I didn't know what you were talking about when you brought yeah. this up. And it's, it's a th- it's so, thing. I mean, this song is literally, I mean, it's, it's, it is a transphobic joke packed into a song about date rape. Yeah. Uh, Funky Cold Medina in this song Funky Cold Medina is a it's a roofie yeah it's like sort of posited like oh it's a beer or something but it's not it's a roofie and he's like why are all the girls with other guys and the bartender's like you need to give him Funky Cold Medina so he does give Funky Cold Medina to a woman named Sheena and then literally but when she took her home after roofing her, and literally, but when she got undressed, it was a big old mess. Sheena was a man. So I threw him out. I don't fool around with no, I can't, Oscar Meyer Wiener. Yeah. So even dude look like a lady, they just make a pun about calling it a gun. Yeah. This is worse. It's bad. I feel like I should have put an extra trigger warning just on that. I apologize. But yeah, it's. It's bad. The, I was like listening to the song and I was like, well, at least the song, like that, like it's the best outcome for Sheena, right? Yeah, right. Like after getting roofied, but then they don't want you. So like, hopefully Sheena was okay. Like, oh God, well, I can't. And I uh. think, so one of the things that I, I find very interesting in the history of rock, um, there's a, I mean, if you, if you read anything about rock and roll history, you know that. The rock and roll persona of a male rock star is especially sort of in the 70s and the 80s is largely was largely predicated on this idea of literally the the front men of these bands going into their girlfriends closets and wearing their clothes. So the the mantle of a rock star is something that is encased in femininity. And I think that's really important. Right. And that's sort of where you get like hair metal and, exactly. the, and, the, and the styles come out of that and, and, and leggings and leopard prints and things like that. Exactly. That in and, sort of 80s rock. And that is part of the reason why I think it is so important to call out the incredible hostility that rock still, the incredible <laughs> misogyny, transphobia, queerphobia that rock and roll has while simultaneously dousing themselves in... Anything they could find in their right, and like while well, we're at it, we'll like try to do some falsettos and some high singing. Exactly, and, like, it's like you just, know. Yeah, and I think the other thing that's really important to remember is that, very unsurprisingly, "Dude Looks Like a Lady" and "Funky Cold Medina" are, as opposed to the earlier songs we were talking about, they are hostile songs. They are incredibly aggressively hostile songs, mm. and I think that the reason why we get this shift is because of the AIDS epidemic and how culture was treating queer people. Right. There's literally lyrics in this song. You you know, ain't no plans with a man. This is the 80s and I'm down with the ladies, you yep. know? Like, it literally says it in the yep. song. Yeah. Which, like... Yeah. I it think just it's... proves your, your theory so beautifully. Yeah. And I think that there's a... You know, it, and it stretched across all genres of music. No. Um, and I think that it's, but I think it's really sort of, it's a little scary when, when you it notice is. it. It is scary. And I think it's interesting 
like sad, but interesting to sort of see also, it feels like you get more of a doubling down on just, I think because people were like afraid, you know, the AIDS and then they were like, that's a gay man thing. And so like, I'm going to get even more militant about not even approaching the idea of respecting a trans woman or a trans feminine's person identity yes. because I, I have this, this gay man boogeyman and I got to keep all yep. that stuff that comes from a, a similar sphere, like Absolutely. in one box and one tight box that can be easily, you know, labeled and, and degraded and avoided. Ultimately. Yes. I do love how this song ends though. Because he tries one more time with funky cold Medina. God, that's right. Rufy's another girl that he met on a, as a a contestant on a show called The Love Connection. And so he roofies this girl when they're at a nice dinner at the Hilton. And she starts talking about them getting married. And he's like, well, I'm not going to use this roofie anymore because it doesn't work out the way I want. Which just, like, blows my mind. Yeah. Like, like the whole premise of this song. This is, is like, a song that exists. Well, I got a trans woman and a woman who wanted to get married, so I guess roofies are bad. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. But it hurts. <laughs> it does. Hurt. It does hurt. Archer <laughs> is our dog, and he agrees. Yep. He he's he got very excited. All right. All right. Moving on to the '90s, we're gonna talk about Suzanne Vega. Hmm. And her song "As Girls Go." So I like really like Suzanne I love Vega, Suzanne Vega but and I'm this sad was about a this. very disappointing song to find in her repertoire. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yet again, sort of a, another sort of theme that we find. Um. This is this is very this is a very projecty song where the point is that Suzanne Vega apparently had a crush on a trans woman. Um. I I think like she said that she was a waitress or something like that. And the point is that realizing that she had a crush on this trans woman made her question her sexuality. Um, and so the point, the, the big problem with this is not only are the lyrics transphobic, but again, this is just, this is a song in service of the person singing it. It's not in service of other people. It's her going like, is this was a weird thing for me. (laughs) And so you're like, great. Thanks a lot for that. Right, which is is certainly in the vein of these styles of song. Again, it's sort of like a little more personally specific, but it's that same idea of like, here's a story about this thing that I encountered. It was this person who wasn't the gender I thought they were, or maybe is, and I'm confused. I must sing a song about it. Yep. Um, Yeah, the lyrics, it starts out with, you make a really good girl as girls go, still kind of look like a guy. I never thought to wonder why. Um, there's there's a bit later. Uh, so beautiful, damsel in distress. Not exactly natural, stunning nonetheless. And Ugh. we're like, that is the most backhanded compliment you could possibly yeah. come up with. Yeah. And it's terrible. Thanks a lot, Susan. And it does America. remind me a lot of, you, you see a phenomenon a lot with... Um, uh, straight women, for the most part. Straight mm-hmm. cis women who sort of think that they're being supportive when they'll say things sort of like that, or they'll say things like, Oh my gosh, you're prettier than like me. And with the implication being like, it's the, you know, Oh, it's not fair. Or or like you're the prettiest woman I've ever seen. Right. Or it's not fair that you like, they managed to be prettier than us. Like again, like, and they think they're being complimentary because they haven't actually thought about like the phobias that they're, 
yeah. harboring and therefore expressing in this thing of this idea of there is this implicit real women and not real women and why are the not real women so gorgeous yeah. even though I'm calling you gorgeous so it's a compliment exactly. and I feel that here too with the added sort of iffiness of like a, the objectification of yeah. like I'm thinking about my sexuality in this sort of way and I'm using you as a tool for that yeah. and you are pretty I mean it's not natural but you're so pretty yeah and it's really uncomfortable it is and then it gets worse it does in the in the in the the bridge. Yeah. Um let's chronicle the dark side of life of the life, meaning the trans life. Did you ever keep the date with the steel side of the knife? Eesh. Doesn't matter to me which side of the line you happen to be at any given time. So we've now encountered the first time one of these songs has asked about quote unquote the surgery. Yep. Which, as we know, is not a thing. There's not just a surgery for anybody. But, you know, it's just, again, we're getting back into this idea of, like, what are your genitals? Yep. This is important to my song that I talk about what your genitals look like or what I wonder they look like. Yeah. And it's bad. And I'm very disappointed in you, Suzanne Vega. Yeah. I I'm like, I feel like I'm being so harsh as though, like, the guys weren't as bad or worse. Or worse. But, but I, it's like, you, it's like, I expected better from you. I knew that, you know. I, I love Tom's Diner. Yeah. Don't do this to me. Yeah. I love Blood Makes Noise. It's like, I know Aerosmith is going to be a bunch of assholes, but what's your excuse? Yeah. Uh, but we do have to move on because we have so many songs. Yeah. We, 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 uh. We, this is like our edited song list too. We, we, we could talk about this for a Being oh, very completist. Um, not really completist. We're just, we, we can't stop ourselves. That's the real. Yeah. But you all like it, right? This is fun for you. Okay. So now we're going to talk about Girls and Boys by Blur, which, uh, 1994. Yeah. Uh, Blur, so Blur, I mean, if, if you don't know much by Blur, the song that you're pretty much guaranteed to know is, woohoo! na 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 yeah. So, yeah. um, pretty sure that's the only one I know. Yeah. Or at least I could peg. Yeah. And, uh, so I just watched the music video for this song right before we started recording. And it's like the most nineties thing you've ever seen. In every karaoke music video that you've yeah. seen recently where it's just like them singing in front of a green screen and behind them has been edited in like people at a water park yeah you're just like here's some footage and of a you thing. can't really see either image clearly no and i don't know what it has to do with the song it was an experience go youtube it you it's 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 a thing so i feel like you need to say the lyrics of the the refrain so that people yes. know um, and it, and it, it sort of it bridges in. It has one of those, I don't know if, what the musical term for that is, but like it's like the verse and there's like the one line that like goes in from the verse to the chorus. Yeah. Which is looking for girls who are boys, who like boys to be girls, who do boys like their girls, who do girls like their boys. Always should be someone you really love. Right. Which is, like, such a weird, like, last line to that. Um, yeah. But let's unpack that for a second. Yeah. Um, so, girls who are boys. Okay. So, so, I mean, that could go in really in either direction, depending on which way you're being transphobic. Right. Like, are you, you're like, oh, I saw a girl, but it's a boy. Or are you saying, like, this person, I know a girl, but then they're saying that they're a boy. Right. Mm, who knows? They probably didn't know when they read it. 
who like boys to be girls, kind of the same thing. Yep. Who do boys like their girls, who do girls like their boys. I mean, to be perfectly honest, this whole, like, this song is has these, you know, sort of layers of transphobia in there, but this could literally just be a song about kink. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be, it could be for sure. I mean, it, and you get into a lot of, I mean, a lot of times homophobia and transphobia are sort of inextricably linked. Exactly. Especially when you, one of the things you run into all the time is if people are, you know, don't believe that transness is real. They believe that you are the gender that your genitals say you are according to society. Mm-hmm. From there, their phobias are the same phobias, right? Yep. Straight men don't want to date trans women because they're like, this makes me gay. Right. But it doesn't, but that's what people think. Yeah. So you can kind of take this in a couple different ways. Like you could take it to that sort of literal idea of, again, we're talking about trans people and we're just sort of mashing up girls and boys together in this sentence. Yeah. You could think of it as something that's more of like, as you're suggesting, like a kink, like a, you know, gender play, yeah. you know, like there's things Which like... Which I'm sure a lot of people who listen to this song Right, I mean, like, and, that. And, and, and that's not necessarily, like, the, the way that it's expressed is bad, but there's nothing wrong with gender play. It's, it's certainly, you know, can be done healthily or unhealthily, but, you yeah. know... I mean, I do role think... Role play is a thing, and, and... But I feel like a lot of times what you're really looking at here is just sort of the, this general assertion of, like... You know, as soon as you say, who do boys like their girls, there is, there is a judgment there, right? Right. Like, this boy likes to be fucked like he's a lady, and that's bad. Like, yeah. there's no way to, like, sort of escape that, and I don't think the song is trying to escape that. Yeah. But the sort of, like, because by phrasing it that way, you're asserting there is a way that a girl should be done, and a way that a boy right. should be done, and you're doing it backwards. Yes. And even if you're trying to talk about just sort of like kink or you're trying to be like, it's, it's so judgy. I think that my thing is, is less that I think I find it judgy and more that I find it like, here's a bunch of white boys being like, we're edgy. Yeah. No, I'm sure you're right. It's like, I understand what like non cishet like missionary sex is like and you're like that's great like like, the only reason you know that is because like you're you're in a band it's like when you you were in high school weird stuff when you're right it's like when you were in high school and like teenage boys would just say stuff and even if you didn't know what it meant you could tell they didn't know what it meant either they like heard it from their older brother or on tv or something and they're just like repeating it it's like here Blur, is a do sexual you know term. what you're what are you trying to say? Like they probably don't know. They're yeah. just like, this sounds edgy. Um Yeah. We sound cool now. We sound like we're yeah. hip and we know what we're doing. I yeah. mean, I think a lot of rock songs, and especially especially once you start getting into grunge and nineties and then early right. aughts, like you get a lot of that. Which actually is a great segue into our next song, which is Michael by Franz Ferdinand, which is doing exactly the same thing. I think. Yes, but doing it in a way that actually doesn't so I, I wanted to put that one on the list because Michael isn't actually about trans people. I think it is one of those songs, though, that hits the same note, and I thought it would be a fun juxtaposition with this one, because I think that um, that girls and boys can can be misconstrued, whereas Michael actually might sound that way to some people, but it is about a very explicit thing, which is not about trans people. It was about, according to members of Franz Ferdinand, Michael was literally about them observing how incredibly homoerotic men are on the dance floor 
when they want to pretend that they're not. So it's, you know, the lyrics, it's like, you know, this is what I am. I am a man. So come and dance with me, Michael. And so it's just about guys There's trying to know like homo their way out of. Than like starting out with the assertion, I am a man. Yes. Like, and then they do it in, um, in Lola too. That's right. Like, it, it comes back around. It's like, well, you know, I'm a man. I'm a man. Like, I'm not this kind of man. I'm not that kind of man. But I'm a man. And yeah. I'm, so is Lola. And then you're just like, what, what? But it's yeah. like that kind of thing. It's like, you know, and, and, and there, once again, you get that sort of ways in which gender and sexuality get tied together. Yes. You know, people ask gay couples, which of you is the guy and which of you is the girl? Yeah. And it's the same kind of idea. It's that, like, these roles are what... If I if I can get away from defining you by your genitals for five seconds, I'm going to define you by the role you play. Yes. And if you're cooking and cleaning, you must be the lady. Yeah. And, you know, like, all of that kind of tropey stuff just gets so stuck in here. Yeah, and I do think... Uh, but that... The thing I like about, of course, uh, about that song is the fact that Franz Ferdinand is, has definitely written that song very tongue-in-cheek. It's intended to be funny. It's intended to be them poking fun at the fact that men do this. Yeah. They're like, dude, if you, if you wanna, if you wanna fuck, just do it. Yeah. And I like that. And also, like, he sings the song kind of sexy. He does. And so, like, it's enjoyable to listen and you're like, ooh, I wanna dance with Michael, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, he, I'm a man. I'll dance with you, Michael. Yes. No, and he, do, he does actually have a lyric, so sexy yeah. i'm sexy right so Which, come and dance with wait, me right Michael. and like just just right on that line of not taking himself so exactly. too seriously and i think that's why it works and when and when you do know the context and you know that you're not michael is not being misgendered yes. like you're not doing anything weird there i think it works out a lot of better Mm -hmm. um, and that song did come out in 2004, yes. which means we have now transitioned into the aughts. Into the 21st century. The 20, 21st. Um, oh, God. And now, now we're going to talk about Arcade Fire, which I, I don't think I, I'm sure I've heard it, but I didn't, I wasn't really aware of this song again until you pointed it out. And I listened to it and I was like, oh, that's why I never really liked Arcade Fire that Ouch. much. I always try to listen to them and I'm always like, I feel like I should like them more and yet I don't. Yeah, I kind of, I come down on either side. Yeah. I, I mean, they, they, they are a big deal for a reason and I know why people like them. Um, but uh -huh. they are, this, so this song... This song is was intended, as far as as the band has said, to be kind of an anthem of acceptance. Yeah. But unfortunately, they made a a very extreme categorical error in how they created their music video. Right. It's interesting because a lot of Arcade's fire songs, they're not very, like, literal. No. The, the, the lyrics themselves are very sort of poetic and short, and they don't say a lot. So if you were to just listen to the song, you'd kind of be like, okay. It's about, you know, you could take it as sort of being just sort of that general... We said the title of the song, right? We Exist. We Exist. I did. It, but it doesn't hurt to say it again. That's we true. Exist. And it could almost just be a, a standard kids trying to get their parents to, like, take right. them seriously kind of thing. Or just, or just, I'm an outsider and I'm different. Right. You could be an outsider... In, in, in any kind of way. So many ways. Very nonspecific, as a lot of these songs are. But, as you were going to say, so, the music video. Yes, the music video is a music video that is centered around the experience of a trans woman. A trans woman played 
by Andrew Garfield. <laughs> oh, Andrew Garfield. And, I mean, if, if you know, sort of, if you've heard other things about, like, Andrew Garfield uh, recently did a production of Angels in America and, like, went on record in an interview talking about the fact that, like, basically because he played a gay man in Angels in America, he felt like in his own way he was gay. Right. And he's, like, trying to talk about, like, his immersion into method acting. He's like, well, I basically am gay now because yeah. I'm, like, so deep into this character. And you're like, honey, And everyone's yeah. like, stop. Sweetheart. No. My dear. Um, so so the fact that they cast him in this role and that he elected to play it is it's it's you can see, you can see it's the classic, like it's so risky and deep and amazing for me, a man, to portray this. But of which course Which is what you see from actors playing you know cis male actors playing trans women all the time. Yes. And the the overall arcing theme, I mean, like, to give sort of a quick rundown, it's literally just, it is a music video that involves a trans woman. It opens with, uh, Ashley's not here today, but it opens with Ashley's favorite, and by favorite I mean least favorite trope, trans person staring sadly at themselves in a mirror. Yep. Looking and, sad. And she puts on her clothes, she goes out to a club, she gets assaulted, and the assault turns into a dream ballet of her doing like a very sort of 80s style empowering flash dance-esque dance break and then finally ends with her in a dress like there's a costume kind change. of like walking through a magic portal yeah and like coming out in like a fancier dress and then she is at an arcade fire concert she gets to come up on stage while the band is playing and sort of declare herself to the world standing there looking lovely and the song ends with the words, we exist on the front. And you're like, well, we exist, but not in this video. But this is, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. This is weird. Not a good call. And I mean, it's so many problems with the music video, including, I don't know what the takeaway was supposed to be. I guess it's supposed to be like, if you hang on long enough, you get to be with a cool band and be loved. Right. <laughs> but like the way that it's set up where she sort of like these guys like kind of make her dance with them and then they start hitting her and one guy kicks her in the face and it kind of like cuts away into the dance thing so you don't see a lot of violence but I'm like is she just unconscious and dreaming this? Because that's yeah. what I'm getting from this and it's really really creepy and it's bad. It's very upsetting. And it's like at, war at, at best it's a bad editing choice. Yeah. You know bad you know visual narrative that doesn't communicate what they're trying to say on top of all the other mistakes that they've made in this. Yeah. So it's not good. Yeah. We're not pleased with it. Um, very transphobic. Very bad. Don't cast cis people as trans people. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, let's talk about Cameron. Oh, I love Cameron. All right, this song is by Gillette Johnson. Came out in 2013. We actually flipped the, we the order on that one. Sorry. Um, but Cameron is an example of how... But it's better, so it has to come after. Yes. I think that Cameron is a really good example of how a, a cisgender person can use their privilege well, I kind of feel like. is It is like... Yes. Like, again, it is a song that she is singing about someone she knew and loved. Yes. Although, like, I think it's different to write a song about someone you're close to than, like... Absolutely. Write an encounter song or even yes. like these are some other artists that I've like right. interacted with. But I mean, I think that, but that is the point. Like she made that choice. She made the choice to write this song about a gender nonconforming person who she knew and loved. And the music video is beautiful. I mean. We both cried. <laughs> I did cry. And if you're going to like contrast two music videos together, like yeah. everything about the music video uh, for this song is 
beautiful and inspiring. Um, it's really lovingly rendered. Like that's the point. Is it? It is very clearly a song and a music video and a, a you know a, an idea that that she sort of is doing mm. so much out of love. And the chorus does what I something that I really always want to see and you don't see a lot in sort of those trans narratives. And, and there's certainly, I, I've talked to, to people like this before uh, or other trans people about this phenomenon where some of us really like to sort of embrace the sort of like, we're unicorns, mm -hmm. we're magical fairy people and some don't. And, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, your personal experience and your personal journey is like your own thing and, and people sort of identify differently, but there is, a lot of pushback against yes. that idea because it implies that trans people aren't like real people. Yes. And this song, the, the, the chorus is these days, the world is full of aliens. The world is full of aliens, but you are a real life human, aren't you Cameron? And when you watch the music video, yeah. it's very clear that the aliens are all these people who are bullying Cameron, who yeah. are, uh, you know, shown as being in, you know, various constrictive gender norms and like doing, you know, uh, certain things. And, and it keeps recentering around this idea of, of Cameron as like the most human of yes. all of them. And that I think is really what like tipped the song over yeah. the edge for me. And that, I mean, and I agree with that, even being a person who does like to be thought of as an alien or a unicorn yeah. or yeah, whatever. I mean, same. Like, same. It's I like, think that there's you need still that narrative. There's still something so profound about someone saying, like, no, you you are you belong here. You are so human. And there is a, a really strong suggestion. I think the song on its own has it, but when you couple it with the music video, she's basically like, um, you know, sitting at a piano playing the song yes. and then it's cut into, you know, a, a, a little boy playing Cameron. We, we don't know the, the actual gender of the actor. Of, of the, and I think yeah. like when it comes to child actors, it's different. Yes. Because A, you know, you're a kid, you don't know. But B, also like you don't want to require like children to disclose these things For about sure. themselves. So I, I, I don't know who the, the actor is. I didn't even look it up. Um, but does a great job. Um, yes. They do a great job. Yeah. Uh, portraying Cameron. And there's a segment where Cameron puts on a, a, um, uh, astronaut's uniform yeah. or, or like a helmet and everything. And the like, breathe, there's like a breathing air tube running from the helmet to like the microphone in front of the, of Gillette Johnson. Uh, of Gillette Johnson, like, as, as she's playing the song. And it's such a beautiful metaphor that this song is meant to be an anthem to help Cameron. Yes. To support Cameron. Like she's to... literally singing to something that's connected to Cameron's ability to breathe. Yes. And, like, that, you know, if, if there was any doubt, which I didn't have just from hearing the song, like, that to me communicated uh, her intention behind yes. the song so beautifully and the fact that like knowing that makes it so great to listen to and I feel like you could give it to a little kid who was trans or gender non-conforming or questioning yes as like something supportive to listen to and explore and I think it would be really really lovely yeah uh, moving on to other we've got our final two songs um, and these these two songs they are obviously the most current of the bunch because you know, obviously, there there have been trans musicians throughout time, um, but we are f finally sort of coming into a point in time where trans artists are they're getting record deals and they're mm -hmm. getting 
and they're getting notice. a little bit more able to say out loud that they are trans. Exactly. Um, and so we kind of wanted to talk about uh, two examples of really positive uh, artistry in that regard. The first song is by Ezra Furman, who initially when the album that this song is on came out had said he was gender fluid. He has since walked that back, but I think that the fact that he's sort of been, he's very clearly a person who explores gender. He wants to talk about gender. Yeah, likes to perform in various different gender presentations. Yeah. So, and I think that, you know, mm. I also think that it's valid to be a person who's questioning and then changes your mind. And so I think that right. it's and, and still And it does really seem positive. also to be a question of like, what's mm. the right label for me? What, what definitions fit? Yes. Um, and I think that it's also really, I think it's really important to lift up examples of people who, who think these things and then decide no, because people need that, that freedom. Yes, absolutely. So, the freedom to explore is so important. Yeah. And, uh, the Ezra Furman song is called Body Was Made. Um, the, the music video for that one is also really fun. Um, yeah, it's just very cute and silly. And it's just a very queer party. <laughs> full of like other performers that uh, who are all knows. Yeah, and, and and all sort of presenting in various gender non-conforming ways, which are really enjoyable to see. Um and it's another sort of anthem that's very much just like you are who you are. Um, you know, it's I don't know if you want to read yeah. a couple lyrics. The, the, the first verse kind of is great. Yeah. My body was made this particular way. There's really nothing any old patrician can say. You social police can just get out of my face and my body was made. Hmm. Which I love because, you know, we all like to be like, you know, use the word social in like context of social justice warrior and things like that. Yes. That are like sort of given this like, you know, pejorative idea as though it would be bad to be a warrior for social justice. But yeah. social police is such a great. Yes, it is. Like, yes. You know, we the, the people who are there to, like, make you conform and do all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's... So, I mean, that that particular example is very... You know, it's, it's a very... Uh, ver the fourth verse is really good, too. My body was made with this attribute, too. The need to become something totally new. Mysterious process that don't involve you. Body was made. <laughs> I'm like, yes! That's it. Just yes. let me do my thing and love it and like get out of my face. Yeah. And you don't get a say in it. You don't get to talk to me about it. It's for right. me. Mind your own business. Which I think like, you know, in terms of a, a song that's really about, you know, learning to love yourself, that's, it's such a perfect example and it's mm. so well done. Yes. Um, and the final song we wanted to talk about. Oh gosh. Oh, my so heart. Good. My heart. Uh, it's by the, the trans female artist Shay Diamond and it's called I Am Her and and she wow. is yeah it's Yo, just uh, if, if you're unfamiliar with Shay Diamond just go and buy all her music and give her yeah, money give her and, all your like, money support because she's fabulous yes and she I mean I think it's it's also incredibly important to note I believe she is the only person of color that we could talk about on this list because we did tone lock that, oh God, that's right. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We, so we yeah. have a, a very upsetting example of, of masculinity. Um, yeah, no. But she one is... One day we'll do more and we'll do a, another selection with more folks of color because we need that here. Yes. But our list was, is really long. But she's the best of all of them. She so is. there's that. Yeah, I think oh. that that's really... It's incredibly... God, the, the music video is... 
it is glorious. It's just her and I, I think I'm assuming other GNC and trans people that she knows around New York City in places that if you live here, you know, and you've been. Um, and it's just a an ode to existence. It's so beautiful. I mean, and it's a very powerful, very like strong anthem and, and it sounds very, and she's basically reclaiming the idea sort of that, you know, society thinks of trans women as sort of dangerous monsters. Yep. You know, she says, there's an outcast in everybody's life and I am her. There's a shadow in everybody's front door and I am her. There's a cloud in everybody's sunlight and I am her. Oh, you know, I am her. And I and think it's like the way it's presented is, is very clear that she's like, I'm not afraid to be myself. Yes. And hey, look, I'm that person that you thought. And I also, I, but I think that because of how the song sounds and because of how it reads, it's, it's so uplifting. And she's saying all these things that you would strike most people as frightening. But when you're listening to it, you're like, yeah, you are. You're mm. so like, it's, it's so uplifting. Yeah. It's so motivating. Yeah, it, it's very, very powerful. And I think it is that very much that sort of reclaiming of her own narrative within the song. You know, we've talked a lot about songs that tell the stories of trans people, and especially trans women, and don't lift up their own voices. And here she is just being like, bam. Yeah. I'm here. I'm fabulous. I'm amazing. I will take all of these labels that you have given me and I will be incredible. Yes. And it's, Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, to to have arrived, because uh, this song came out in 2018. So I think that to have arrived at this point now where it's easier to find songs by trans and gender nonconforming artists that are, you know, the, the point is, of course, it starts with, with Lola, where we're talking about people having their own opinions about trans people and their experiences with trans people. And we've now arrived at the point where trans people get to tell their own stories and get to have their own voices and it's more visible. It's more easy to find, you know, you can, you can find this song on Spotify, you can find it on YouTube. Um, and I think that it really is, it's, it's very empowering to know that we're, we're moving. We're moving that way. <laughs> we're, we're, we're moving that way. It's yes. It was nice to end this on, three very lovely empowering yeah. songs uh so normally we would say is this transphobic and is it enjoyable and i think that we've gone on long enough and we've made our voices clear yes. enough that we're not going to list all of the songs and say that the answer is yes some definitely yes, are some are very some are middling yep and these things are always better when you give voice to the people that they're about. Yep. Either by literally being by those people or yes. by, you know, being people who truly close enough and, and loving that person enough to, to tell a story about them. Yeah. Um, and don't roofie people. Yeah. Don't do Don't that. do it. Don't. It's bad. Don't, don't write songs about roofing people. No, I guess that? that's really the thing. It's like, you know, if you're, you know, like, and, and it's not a joke. No, I think I think that's sort of the the, the thing. Um, there is often, you know, there's always going to be aspects of transphobia um, that interlace mm -hmm. in just society and life, and it comes out, and and it has a lot to do with 
what the vocabulary and the, the, the dialogue was at the time that things were written. That's why the stuff in the seventies is better. And then the eighties ruin everything. And then we kind of start climbing out of that hole a little bit yeah. as time goes on. Um, but I think the dividing line between the really bad songs and the like, not really bad songs here is, is it a joke or not? Yeah. You know, like some of them don't say the best things, but the the, the intention of mocking or the intention yeah. of, I wrote a silly song about silly things and I'm going to make you laugh because I'm going to make a pun about, you know, yeah. the bodies of, of, of people who are not me. Yeah. And that I think, so that I think we would agree is very transphobic. Yes. And also just a joke move. Yeah. And if you come at it from a place of seriousness, um, doesn't mean you'll get everything right. Yeah. But it's a good start. Yeah. Yeah. And we have definitely gone a little over time, but. Yes, we have. <laughs> this was really long and I'm not surprised. Uh, and I hope everybody enjoyed it. Yes. Uh, Emily, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me on tour.com. That's T-O-R.com. And you can find me on Twitter and, and Instagram and things under the handle use underscore or dash depending on the platform the yeah. force dash m e m um yeah and i yeah mostly you can find me on tour.com too that's right and you can find my social media stuff is inland either dot or dash or underscore sailor yeah um, I, I can't even, people ask me like, which like, what's your Twitter handle? And I'm like, it's that, but I don't know if Twitter uses dots or underscores. I can never remember which is which. Yeah. But I figure the person can figure out when they get there. Yes. And thank you so much for listening. Sorry about maybe the ice cream truck. I'm going to feel really bad if no one could hear the ice cream truck and then we made a thing about I'm it. I'm also going to feel really bad if, if everyone can hear our dog our grumbling dog, us at the, in the he's, background. He's definitely jealous that we're doing this and not petting him. His name is Archer. He's a beagle. He's real cute. So we're I'll, I'll put up, you know what? I'm going to give that picture of us dressed as Crowley and oh, yeah. I'll give you a picture of Archer too. Yeah. Um, he's great. You can give the picture of him in his Hogwarts house. Yeah. He's a Hufflepuff. He is a Hufflepuff. <laughs> yes. So we'll give that for you. Fun times. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Is It Transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers. The Is It Transphobic logo was created by Phoenix Sweeney, and you can see more of their work at tinylionroars.github.io. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com. Hello, I am Dr. Raz from Scowl Fight for Your Rights. Are you looking to conquer the world, but help people while you do it? May I present the solution to all of your problems? The Potaser! Yes, the Potaser is my own personal invention for conquering the world with easy home-based electric goods. For just one complicated payment of two medium payments of three easy payments of 1999, you can donate through Fractured Atlas to Scowl, Ladermageddon, and get your own, very own, very, very own Potaser to conquering the world. All donations that you make through Fractured Atlas are tax deductible, so if you are sick of dodging your taxes, you can just deduct them instead. Once again, you can buy the Potaser for one complicated payment of two medium payments of three easy payments of 1999. 
can't help scowl. Leathermageddon, become reality! Please be advised for your own personal safety. Please do not buy the Potaser. Simply donate through Fractured Atlas. Do not, I repeat, do not buy the Potaser. The Potaser is not meant to be cooked, eaten, consumed in any way, shape, or form. It is not meant to be utilized in any way whatsoever and cannot be verified as safe by any American administration. Please, please, please do not buy the Potaser. Simply send any donations through Fractured Atlas to Scowl Ladermageddon.